Yo, yo, yo. It's your boy, Michael Trioteo, checking in from the Ghetto Flower. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of those supporters out there who've been showing love to the Ghetto Flower Season 5. I promise this is the best season yet. And now, let's get into today's episode with a very, very special guest. Be sure to like and subscribe, and be sure to never miss your chance to wake up and smell the flowers. Because after all, we are all Ghetto Flowers. Yo, 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 it's your boy, Michael Trioteo, and I'm here with the Ghetto Flower Fresh Flowers podcast with my co-host, got my boy Q in the building. What's good? We back at it. And today we got a very special guest, Morgan Gold. Hey, how's it going? Man, I'm doing great. I'm great. Appreciate you for sliding through, coming through. I know this is your first time on the show. So yeah, we're happy for, you know, just to have some good conversations and let the people out there, you know, kind of learn a little bit more about you and, you know, discover your music and uh, hopefully they'll tap in and become, sure. become I, fans and supporters. I love talking about myself. So <laughs> this, is a great, yeah. this is a great gig to say yes. Cool, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Appreciate it too. We honestly appreciate you sliding because uh, we definitely know you show us a lot of love and we for sure wanted you to come on the show and definitely dive into everything. Yeah. So, um, with the first question we kind of want to ask you, like, how did you, like, you know, first get into music, I guess? Um, so I've been, that's a good question. I've been doing music for, and just like the general arts for a really long time. Um, I grew a love and fascination with music around the age of 10. So I was um, writing like in any notebook I could find and I started playing guitar, did musicals, did, did the acting thing. I actually went to school for comedy at Columbia College here in Chicago. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to be on SNL. That was like one of my big dreams. Really? Do a skit um, or something on that? Yeah, Let's yeah. I, yeah, I, lo- I love sketch comedy. I love com- comedic acting. I just, music, that you have more freedom to kind of like express different versions of yourself. So like that was kind of like the main, and I just like, music is like second nature to me. It's like breathing. And so I... I fell in love with it. I fell in love with doing it in 2018. I just said, you know what? I'm gonna do this. Uh, I'm just like, you know, gonna go for the dream. Cause why not? Like I was like, you know, I, you know, I was 19 at the time. I think when I said I was gonna do it, and I've only got one life to live and a big dream. And it's like I, I would hate myself if I were 80 years old and I looked back on my life and said that I didn't go for this. Right. I, I didn't oh, go yeah. for what I wanted to do. So. Um, and it's the best decision I've ever made. That's dope. Yeah. That's big. Like, so when, what was that actually, like, turning point? Because I know, like, a lot of people could give me, like, an actual, like, time where, you know, specific time where it's like, yeah, I'm doing music now. It was, and I, I do remember this, it was, I was a sophomore at, um, I was a sophomore at Columbia, and I found myself still writing songs, still like, and I hadn't even uploaded music at the time. <laughs> and uh, I, I was just like, you know, hearing about people like putting music on SoundCloud, people were asking me for songwriting advice. And I was just telling myself, and this was like right after New Year's going into, I think like 2018 it was. And I was like, why am I not doing this? Cause I've been doing it for so long. And I think I put up a post on my old Finsta account and I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm doing music, motherfuckers, and just watch like I'm going to make it happen. And then um, one of my friends who was studying to be a music manager at the time, her name was Kaylin. She was like, it's actually a semester project that we have to manage an artist. Do you want to be like kind of like my guinea pig for this? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah let's so you go. Put it out there to the world. Okay. Yeah. And it, like it came right back at me like, let's do this. And so. 
one and then once we got started and I really started taking it seriously, I it, it was full throttle at that point. Yeah. Did did people like take you serious as a musician? Like from transitioning from like, you know, wanting to be a comedian to switching over to music. Like how was that? Yes um, and no. I mean like I think anytime you start from square one and you're at the point where you're you know, you're uploading music on SoundCloud, you may not like, you know, I was doing everything at home. Like I was just learning how GarageBand worked. I self-produced and recorded. I didn't even know how, I, didn't, I still don't even like, you know, how to mix my shit. Like, you know, my fiance does that. Um, but people, some people were like, oh my God, like, you know, cause I knew what I wanted to be. And I knew how big I, you know, I, I knew how big my dreams were and I knew what I was capable of. But I think when you're starting out and like, you know, your friends are like hearing you talk like that, they're like, Morgan, you need to calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you got 20 plays on SoundCloud, <laughs> relax. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to relax because I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a mixture of that reception. But like, you know, I think at that time I had been singing for 10 years. So I definitely had the voice. I had the image. I had the. Well, I was I didn't have the image, but I had like what I wanted and surrounding myself with people who were in a studio environment, who were creatives. People did start taking me seriously at that point because they knew that I had the drive. But I had to humble myself real quickly in by, you know, doing a lot of different things like, you know, like early on when I was doing performances and doing open mics, like open mics are the best ways to humble yourself because it's like. You're sitting in a room full of like, you know, 10 to 15 people who are only worried about their own set. So it's like, you know, you go, you go, you you have to go through those trials of like, you know, not enough people paying attention to you or like maybe you're only getting like, you know, a couple hundred streams when you want a couple hundred thousand. It's like, like I'm barely even there yet. But you learn, you learn that in order for other people to take you seriously, First, you have to take yourself seriously. You have to apply yourself, but you also have to find the fun in it. Like we were just talking about like numbers, right? You, yes, you do have to focus on like, you know, making it, you know, like making yourself into a brand and I'm just getting into the brand stages right now, but finding the fun in what you love is like the most, I I think like rewarding slash humbling experience of it because you learn that yes, there are parts of yourself that you have to take seriously, but you have to find what about music makes it fun for you because then you get in in a rhythm and a consistent rhythm that makes you smile more than it makes you stress. Yeah, yeah. And then it, that once you find that, people start to take you seriously because they're watching you and you're like, oh, she's got it. She found something that works for her. But then people have fun with you too. Exactly. It, it's like, you know, it, it's serious, but it's, it's once you have fun and serious in the same combo, then like that's when magic happens right there. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's dope. That's dope. yeah. I love the way you broke that down. When did you feel like you kind of got that rhythm? Um, I think I, again, like I think I always had the drive, but it was just over the years, like accumulating, um, accumulating good friends in in the music community and uh, I mean I, I just figured out I think through doing this album that uh, the genre like we, we found the genre which we were calling ethereal R&B that's my genre mm-hmm. um, and I think it it starts with 
starts with finding out who you're influenced by, working through what you like sounding like, what you don't like sounding like. It, it's going to take years. I mean, like artist development is not something that happens overnight. Yep. And that's kind of where the humbling part comes back in, where it's like you have to not be afraid to experiment. You can't be afraid to, you know, maybe try a different style of music or maybe try wearing different types of clothing or may, maybe like performing your set in a different way, different venues. It's like all of those things, all of those different factors make up what you are. And yeah. you, and, and it's just, you learn as you go. And I just, I love, I love postmodern, cinematic, sexy, ethereal vibes because I feel like it connects us to the world and connects us to music in a very spiritual way where it's like we can't even find words for it. Like you can't just say, that a song is lit. You can't just say that a song is sad. It's like, oh, there's a very distinct feeling that's unique to the listener. Like, that's the feeling that I was searching for. And that's why I like to call my music ethereal. But again, it took me years to find, it took me years to figure that out. I'm, oh, on, yeah. year, I'm on year four or five of this now. And it just happened. Was it like a lot of experimentation as far as sounds go? And Yeah, like it was, um, I think like early on, like, you know, my biggest, my biggest inspirations at the time and still are were like, you know, anywhere between The Weeknd to The Grateful Dead to 070 Shake to SZA to Frank Ocean to Kalani to Jameson. Like you have all of these different types of sounds in one pot and also too like at the time when I was starting I found myself in recording studios all the time with uh, I mean you know we're, we're Chicago right a lot of the times I went into the studio I was surrounded by drill artists and R&B singers mm -hmm. and that's how and watching them was how I learned to be more comfortable and more free-spirited in the booth and then at the same time I would have friends in the psychedelic jam band like area and so I would learn to be more comfortable playing guitar and learning how to listen to musicians and how they transition and then yeah. like you know coming from a musical theater background you learn how to carry yourself on stage how to project to the audience how to kind of act in everything that you do so staying open to staying open and paying attention to how how music resonates with people differently and learning to find the learning to be able to celebrate all the different like like even like e even if you're somebody that says like oh man like I hate country music well I guarantee you're gonna go to Nashville and you're gonna be in like a like you know you're gonna be in like let's say like Jason Aldean's honky tonk right and you may be someone that hates country but then all of a sudden if someone starts singing you know, if someone starts singing chicken fried or uh, I've got friends in low places, you see everybody raise up their drinks and all of a sudden everyone is so happy, everyone's friends. You gotta admit, that is a very magical feeling. And I've been and I've been so inspired by that. Um, I've been in Nashville twice now and it just amazes me every time I see that. So you have to be open to what everyone is inspired by and see what you can learn from it. Hell yeah. You know sounds, like, I mean? sounds like you're a real student of the game. Right. That was a lot of different influences. Hell yeah. Seven on Shake. You have you you to be. I love her Seven on Shake. She's fire. She's one yeah. of my favorites. Hell yeah. You have to be a student of the game because we're constantly evolving. Hell you yeah. know what I mean? And like, I feel like right now we're in such a time where everyone is like, I don't, I don't think there's been a better time to express yourself because 
individual expression right now, I feel like matters more, I think, to any brand, any artist, any person that it ever has now. But it's mm -hmm. like, we got to understand that we're now, you know, we're shoving each other's content in each other's faces. You have to be somewhat accepting of everything about the world around you. Even if you don't like it, you can learn something from it and be like, oh, what don't I like about this? But what can I appreciate about mm -hmm. this? And then apply that appreciation to your own craft. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, we got to be open. We got to be humble. We got to be loving towards one each other. Because, like, you know, there's also just so much bitterness and judgment because we're <laughs> we're expressing ourselves. Yeah. And so we're very entitled to be like, what do we like? What do we not like? And it's, and both of those things are very important. But you have to, you have to be willing to put yourself in multiple different environments to be able to really, I think, at the end of the day, learn about yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, that, that was, um, there's this one quote uh, that I heard. Uh, it was like, the best thing you could do is be uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> because, you know, that's yeah. how you can figure out, like, certain things. Like, oh, maybe I don't like this. And you figure out why you don't like it, you know? Like you said, you could add these things to different things you do. Or you can make it, you know, if you find something you appreciate, you could put it into, you know, your music or whatever. You know, oh, yeah. you appreciate different things. So. As corny as it is, there's also a, a one of the first things I learned when I was doing improv at Columbia is they always tell you, go before you're ready. Okay, yeah. And yep. that stuck with me too because like every dream starts with an idea. Nobody, you know, even if you even if you could come up with like, you know, the greatest movie or the greatest business idea in your head, you know, you're everyone at some point starts off and they're like just got two empty hands and no money in their pocket and they're like how the hell am i gonna do this but like just trying something and figuring out you know and you know at the end of the day we're always gonna wish that we did something better we're always gonna wish that we brought more to the table than what we did but being uncomfortable and being open to learning from those experiences at the end of the day hopefully it makes you more appreciative and more grateful of that experience for what it was oh, yeah yeah how did you like as someone transitioning over to becoming like a musician what was that like as far as like artist development and like building a team and kind of like adding like a new structure you know versus being a comedian now you're like a musician could you could you dive into a little bit about that artist development yeah i think like well so Learning how to be a comedian definitely helped volumes when it came to music because there is nothing worse than being on stage and trying to be funny and no one's laughing at you. It's the most, hum it's the most humiliating thing, especially if you're in a room of like other comedians and they don't find what you're doing funny. Instead, <laughs> right. you just get like a couple of chuckles. Like. It's like it's like it's like being a singer and being on stage and you hit a sour note and you know that a couple people in the room were like oh like she could have hit that better like oh, man. yeah I always wonder how that feels you know it like, sucks it's <laughs> it's terrible you you feel you feel like the most you feel like the most untalented person ever but everyone has to feel that way right, like it, like right. it, it, it's funny because like I had a conversation with my dad not too long ago and he was even like he was at a he he he's been to a couple of my shows where like you know. Maybe I had a little bit too much to drink and like, you know, I was the last person. And so I just sounded tired on stage. Mm -hmm. He's like, that was hard for me to watch. I'm like, well, 
you love Kendrick Lamar, right? And he's like, I love Kendrick Lamar. I'm like, he got booed one time in his like earlier sets. Right. And like, you know, there, there's a couple of artists like that have had like two people in the crowd before like someone like found them and then put them in a room full of 10,000. It's, it, it, you have to accept that that's gonna happen to you at one point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, biggest, the biggest contributor to my artist development, I think was being in front of people because yeah. you know, you can be in the studio all you want perfecting your craft, you can be rehearsing all you want, you can be networking all you want, but there is no bigger test to how good of an artist you are than being in front of people. Yep. And especially too, because I mean like, you know, when I sit, like when I sing, for example, like, you know, I've got like, I've got my DJ, um, Hailey B. Um, he, we do a little bit of processing, but I do very little to no auto tune most shows. Um, just because like, coming from someone who did musicals all the time. If you're in a musical, you kind of have to be like perfect in your note hitting because like that's just like the way that a lot of shit was written. Like, you know, it was written by composers who, you know, had, were musically trained and shit like that. And so I really try to stay true to like hit, hitting the notes solid, but like walking away from a show being like, ah, eh, I could have hit this note better. Eh, I could have hit that note better. It forced me to think about my craft seriously because it's not like, it's not like you can craft up a perfect post or craft up like a perfect like you know roll out it's different than that when you're on stage yep. and it's just you that is the artist development right there yep because those are people who paid to come and see you you know what i mean Hell like you yeah. could have 100 likes or whatever but if 20 people even if just 20 people show up to your performance you better put on a fucking great show for those 20 people because that's what people are going to remember. Yeah. They're not going to remember the post you made that last week. They're going to remember whether you killed it or whether you sucked because they paid $10 to come and see you. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, live performance shaped me more than anything in oh, the music yeah. industry ever did. That's that's a good segue into my next question, actually. So, um, you know, you're a big contributor to the girls night at uh, Sub Subterranean. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how that came about the idea and then like, you know, the partnership with Sub T? Yeah. Um, so me and uh, No Montana, um, we met at um, what were we doing? We were doing a couple shows at um, Ever Evolved and that's how we met. And uh, we just noticed that every time we were on a lineup, we were the only females on it. And we um, we were like, you know what? It would be so amazing if uh, we just started up a uh, if we just started up a show that we hosted and we could put other female artists on, and it would be just a way to celebrate music. And I think it's important to um, it's important, especially for women in the industry, to have a space where not only are women included but women are celebrated. Nope. Because then too, because because uh, early on when we were when we were discussing the idea with people, a lot of men were like oh, so like men aren't allowed to come? I'm like, no, like we want men to be there because just showing that, you know, we're even though like maybe the focus is only female and non-binary performers, it's still a space where everyone is included and yep. everyone is encouraged to be a good audience member, encouraged to network, encouraged to go and introduce yourself. Like having a space where, yes, we're, celebrate, we're celebrating women, but you have to celebrate everybody. Mm -hmm. That is what we wanted to share because then too, like, you know, if eventually, you know, eventually if someone else like wanted to like put on their own show celebrating 
people that they feel need to be represented. Perfect. Go and do that. Yeah. Like that, that that's the kind of energy that we wanna like we wanted to start and it's been going so well. We had it at Canvas in their dance studio out in Melrose Park. And then we're like, ah, you know, like, you know, if we wanna because we both live in Chicago, we're like, we just can't be commuting out there all the time. And we were thinking about venues and there was a show going on at Sub T. And all I did was walk up to the guy that was taking tickets and I said, who's in charge of putting on events here? He's like, me. I'm like, cool, <laughs> let me give you a quick elevator pitch of what I got going. And then he's like, love it. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give you every every third Monday until July and see how you do. It was kind of like a little like, oh, we're gonna give you Mondays. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? You gotta run with that shit though. Cause again, we're, I, I'm still at the point where I'm growing. I'm not, you know, we got to work for the Fridays and Saturdays. We yeah, got to yeah. work for yeah. 200 tickets sold out. Like, you know, it, it, it's been a it's been a rewarding process of building and creating a community has been the most important part. And we've noticed, too, that um, the more consistent it, it didn't matter so much about how many people bought our tickets are the same people wanting to come, come back. again and yeah, again and yeah. again and again. And we started yeah. we started noticing that and like, you know, we had like one guy who was just showing up every time because he loved it. And he was one of the first people there. He had a drink in his hand, talking with people and meeting people that he didn't see there before. And that meant so much to me is seeing that people wanted, people felt like they were in a space where they were comfortable enough to not only watch some good music, but meet some good people. Yeah. And that is the spirit that I think is the spirit of not only the independent music scene everywhere, especially the music scene in Chicago. I feel, I, and I think one of the reasons why we were so excited about that, and maybe maybe you guys could speak on this too, but like everyone's been saying, you know, there are no industry people in Chicago. It's either all in, you know, LA, New York, or Atlanta. And I think it's because we've been standing, it's like we've been standing at an empty faucet with our mouth open and the faucet <laughs> is the industry and no drops have been coming into our mouths because I think we've realized now we are the yeah, industry. Yeah, we are the industry. We, if we want to be as independent and as powerful as we say we are, then why are we begging for industry people to come to Chicago when they just do not know what the fuck is out here? Exactly. We got to show them. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm for sure with you on that. And like you said, you brought up a, a you know, big word, I would say, is community. And that's the biggest thing, like actually building something. Everybody come together, even if it's your thing. Like everybody come together and let's be in this space and we could create this shit ourselves yes. like, at the end of the day like we need to create some type of momentum mm -hmm. for these people to see you know mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and i and you know i i feel like it, it is a problem but it's just because you know people it is the same shit people got the fomo it's certain things you know people always yeah. want to feel involved all that stuff but you know it's it's about to happen, you know. Yeah. And yeah. People need to realize it's it's about to happen. There's too much talent out here for it not to happen. Or these people branch off and go somewhere else, and you know, get big somewhere else. But they still from here. There's it's yeah. gonna trickle down some. Yeah, these are know? these are where the roots are, and I think the people who spend most of the time complaining are complaining mainly because they're just not at the point where they want to be yet. But I keep, and I keep telling, and one of the things that I really realize, and I keep telling artists this, is that you 
are complaining that you're nowhere where near where you want to be, right? And that, you know, it, you know, Chicago's clicky, which I think at the time it was, but now because we're more community run and community driven in the arts, that's changing. But you cannot be complaining that you're not getting anywhere when you're not networking. Yeah, you're not putting the work exactly. in. Hell yeah. Then you're just yeah. with your, your, your friend, your group of friends. It's, you gotta get out. Yeah, get go, out. Go, go, shake, go shake hands. Uh-huh. Go make relationships. Right. Like, there, there's a reason why, like, you know, certain people are more known by, you know, this collective and this collective and this collective. It's because they went out. And either they, you know, were meeting people at their own shows or it's like if you're an artist, go to all their artist shows, go show that support. Or even if you can't make it, like go promote that show, because at the end of the day, again, we are the only people that are going to be helping each other out, especially, you know, if we're if we're at the you know, if we're still out here saying, oh, the industry isn't paying attention to us or like. People aren't paying attention to us. It's like, then start paying attention to each other. You know what I mean? It's like just showing that little ounce of support goes such a long way. It not only helps your algorithm on social media, but it shows it it just like, you know, it's just like making somebody like, you know, making somebody's day. Like, you know, like, um, like if I see that you guys like, drop merch, even if I don't have the money to drop it, like, you guys drop these pillows, I posted that shit a few times because these are so fucking cool, I want the world to see these. You know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's that, it's that, that, it's those little things that go a long way. Showing love anywhere you can is a great way to network and it's a great way for people to get eyes on you, even if it's for a second, because those little seconds add, those little things add up to the big thing that we're looking for. And people don't get that. They want the big thing. Yeah, and they want it's it like, fast too. They want it yeah, fast. They, they want, want it overnight. Yeah. It's <laughs> not gonna happen that fast unless you have crazy industry connections and like people behind the scenes were plotting for your come up before you even yeah, knew about yeah. it. Like, some it, industry plan or something. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and you know what? It's like, whether you're an industry plant or not, you're gonna. I mean, you know, if you're an industry plant, that's gonna. It's gonna come with views. It could come with brand deals. It could come with whatever. I don't give a fuck if you're an industry plant or not. Can are people gonna come to your shows? Do people actually? Yeah, fuck with you people as a person? fuck. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and, and then, fuck with you. Yeah. And that's why I was. I brought up numbers too before we started rolling. Is because like. You can pay, especially as an artist, you can pay attention, you know, you can try to go for numbers all you want, but are those numbers translating into dollar signs? Are those numbers translating into people that are coming to your shows? And it's just, we have to really be careful about where we're putting our attention, where we're putting our energy and where we're putting our value. Because there are so many artists out here, like, you know, there there are seven billion people, right? And so naturally, views are going to go up and album sales are going to go up for everybody because we have more exposure to each other. But it's like, you know, cool. There are more, there are more people getting views, but again, it's like, great. It's easier to get views now, but do people, are people actually resonating with what the fuck you're doing? Yeah. Is the connection genuine? Like, is it just a like, or is it just, I clicked your song and I played it once? I'd rather, I'd I'd rather have a ticket purchase than a like or a Mm -hmm. stream. Any day, any day. And that and that's the that's the challenge of, I think, like being an artist right now is finding a way to make that connection genuine, especially in a world where attention spans are so short. And I feel like 
the subject matter of music is just kind of given to us. Yeah. It's like, it, it, well, and that's been like, um, it's interesting because somebody, uh, well, it's not, it's not one person. A couple people asked me like, you know, are you sure that you want to do an album like right now? And it's like, yes. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I fucking want to, you know, you know what I mean? It, it's like, we can't, algorithms are great because they provide like, you know, like, you know, what, what we're doing data wise and what everyone's into. But it's like, at the end of the day, why did you start Ghetto Flower? Or why did you, Morgan Gold, make this album? It's because something inspired you to do it. Yep. Not for anybody else, but for yourself. Yep. And you cannot forget that magic. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into the album. Right, right? Hell yeah. Let's yeah. Tell us a little bit more about this album that you're getting ready to drop. I know you have a single coming pretty soon. Yeah. yeah so tell us a little bit more. So the single's coming this week. Um, the album is called Midas because that was very smooth uh, phone slide you just did. Um, so the album's called Midas um, because my name is Morgan Gold. Everything I touch turns to gold. Um, I, I kind of decided that uh, I grew up all my life with puns about my last name being gold. Might as well run with it. <laughs> so it, that is your real name? Yeah, Morgan Gold yeah my, real, real my, real, my real name is Morgan Gold. That's right. Um, which is one of my favorite things about me that I didn't, have to, I didn't have to try and make that up. I didn't have to sit with a pen and paper and think, ah, oh, what's catchy? But um, Midas, is, it's my first album. Um, it is, I wanted to do an album because I have been releasing EP after EP after single after EP. And I just kind of told myself like I mean for the longest time that I wanted to do one and I'm a singer songwriter you know above everything else mm -hmm. and I feel like there is something so special about songwriting when it comes to an album because my favorite thing about albums is uh, my favorite thing about music is the world that you get sucked into that's why I fell in yes. love with the, that's why I fell in love yes. with the weekend because yeah. it's like you know you heard anyone who heard his music for the first time was like what world am i being taken into <laughs> it's right dark, now? Yeah, like yeah. you you listen to high for this for the first time and immediately he says to you you don't know what's in store and so automatically you're not only thinking what is this but yeah you're being like what like what am i in for right yeah, now yeah. and so that's why i wanted to make an album is because i'm obsessed with folklore i'm obsessed with storytelling and so I wanted to create a whole body of work that transported the listeners in like to somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very much into why we're so obsessed with uh, religious figures, like why we're still to this day obsessed with the idea of a God. And I do I do believe in God, just not the way religion sold that image to us, but you know, Jesus Christ, Buddha, all of these things and images and people that we still look up to. So Midas is the inspiration for that. Um, do you guys know the story of King Midas? No, no, break it down. I know Midas, everything he touched turned to gold. Yeah, so that's so all I know. Yeah, it's, a yeah. it's a Greek legend where there was this king named Midas and he was very greedy. And I forget which god he granted him. I think I want to say it was Diomedes. Uh, Diomedes, I think that's how you pronounce it, but Midas basically said, hey, I want everything I touch to turn to gold because I want to be rich. And the god was like, cool, no problem. So he gave that to him, but then he noticed that literally he couldn't even sit on a couch without it touching, turn to gold. 
He couldn't even eat because any piece of food that he put in his mouth would turn to gold and he couldn't swallow it. He couldn't even hug his loved ones because they would turn to gold. And he suddenly realized that even with this gift that he had, it ended up becoming a curse because yep. he couldn't actually receive real genuine love. Mm -hmm. And he ended up dying of starvation because he couldn't do or touch anything. Mm -hmm. So he had all this gold, but what the, you can't eat gold. Yeah, you can't yeah. kiss gold. Mm -hmm. You can't fuck gold. You can just spend your money with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and so Midas, Midas at the end of the day was inspired by that, but it was also inspired by like, you know, I, I wanted to do music too, and I'm sorry for this really long explanation because there's just a lot oh, that goes great, in. Great, um, I wanted to do music to become famous. That was the right. first initial goal. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem admitting that because it's, it's a fucked up thing to realize that the thing that you want to achieve your dream just for the validation of other people. Mm -hmm. That's a blessing and a curse because that dream of being so big, like, MJ big, like Kanye big, it forces me to really put the work in. But at the same time, I have to keep asking myself, are you having fun or do you really just care about what everybody else thinks? Yeah. And so Midas is the version of me that is self-realized, that is uber successful. My, Midas is that higher version of me, the God yeah. version. We all call ourselves, we all, we all say, oh, I'm a god. Well, Midas is that version of me saying, mm -hmm. I'm a god. It's Midas. Yeah. And so it's, it was a way for me to not only create the character that I live up to be, it's literally kind of almost giving myself closure that like, okay, this is the version of me that I aspire to be. But the trials and tribulations that Midas goes through in the whole album is like, having you know being a little head ass being like yeah i'm the shit but then also there's a point in the album where midas realizes that if you let your ego get to you if you let your dreams of fame be the only thing that defines you then you're gonna lose people in your life that you love you're gonna lose direction you're ultimately just gonna become so self-absorbed that you're only gonna have yourself at the end of the day and are you okay with that yeah that's deep Right. Yeah. We we got deep this morning. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That, that that's that's hella dope, and I love that um that you're diving in in that direction because that makes you know me personally want to dive into the music even more. Yeah. Because I love when people actually have like a story and they actually paint a perfect picture. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying, like, I I know I'm gonna hear that in the music. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to create my own, my own folklore, if that makes sense. Yeah, just no, because no. I, I think like folklore is the still the most popular version of storytelling that we pass down from generation. Like people yeah, yeah. still like the Bible is still the most number one sold book in the world because it it like people know the story, but it also gives people the power of interpreting things for themselves. Yeah, and that's, yeah. what I, that, that's what I love about music. And like, I think that this project too was so special because it was um, executive, it, so it's actually executively produced and mixed by my fiance. Um, that's dope. Her name is Jamie Sumner. She goes by 730 Skylar now. Yeah, shout out Jamie. I, shout out Jamie, shout out Jamie. I love you. Um, I'm gonna pick up Parsley after this interview so we can make a dank meal at home. 
Um, we're making shrimp pasta. I'm very excited about. Gotta it. grab the parsley. Uh, yeah, shout, yeah, shout out pasta. Pasta, <laughs> shout out parsley. Pasta uh, <laughs> um, what's really cool too is like the fact that we made this album together. Um, so she actually uh, to uh, co-wrote two songs, which is awesome because she's been getting into more of her pen game. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I've used music as a way to document my life, right? And Midas being the higher version of me. One of the most important things that I've learned in doing music full time, um, well, I mean, I don't do it like aside from my nine to five job, but like, you know, doing it as my main passion is that I'm doing it alongside someone that I've fallen in love with. And I think when you when you mix romance and creativity into one bowl of passion, you have to remember to like, you know, being an artist, it's very easy to get caught up in your ego. You have to remember too that like, you know, music is a shared thing, it's a dance. And so when we were crafting this album together, it was really amazing to watch us seamlessly put this thing together, but also it, it made our relationship stronger. It, it made us, I think, respect each other, not just as um, partners romantically, but partners creatively because we learn how to talk to each other in that language, but it naturally just like becomes one language too. And so, and so that was very beautiful because there were like, you know, she, when she came, she came in my life too at a very um, pivotal point when I had to really realize why I was doing music and why I loved it. And letting such an important relationship in my life contribute to the music makes it more meaningful. And it always and you, you gotta ha- you gotta have people and resources in your life that ground you and remind you of why you're doing music and that you have to remember to give love out just as much as you want to receive because we're because we're artists we want people to see our work we want people to tell us we're the greatest but it's like you can't sur- you, you 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 can't always have that. And but at the same time, people are going to tell people you need to have people in your life that tell you that you're great, but also need to like, you know, you need to have those people critically in your life telling you like, hey, just like, you know, remember to show love back. Remember that, like, we're still human beings at the end of the day. And having the humanity in the art is, I think, what keeps it fun and what keeps your like, you know, keeps your mental health stable and I think just makes for a better combination, like, you know, going forward. Cause yeah, oh, yeah. you have to have the right amount of everything. I feel you, I feel you 100%. That's dope you bring that up because it's all about that. You know, you receive love, you give it back. Um, I know it's a Japanese saying, uh, arigato in, arigato out, it's the same thing. And that's that's dope that you that you uh, continue to push that. Oh, and yeah. we and we for real appreciate you having uh, you you coming through and oh, yeah. here. Thank you for having me yeah, for yeah. real. It's, all, it's yeah. awesome talking. No, nah, I think uh, we we covered a lot, and I'm super happy that you were able to sort of express yourself. Tell us a little bit about you know the album as well, and then about your background. So I'm super geeked that you were able to slide through and uh, come chop it up. Man, yeah. thank you guys for having me. I've been sure. uh, I've been I've been a big fan of Get a Flower for a bit, and like I, I think it's really cool too because like I like that. I came here now and then I'm getting to talk with you after we've like 
already yeah like, yeah because we've been working yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, it's timing honestly uh, yeah. honestly everything's with timing like, yeah it all works out <laughs> and i yeah. think and i think that's another really important thing that artists need to realize because like i was kind of thinking about it today too because you know i've been doing this for about four or five years right and i probably you know I, I discovered you guys maybe like a year and a half or two years ago and it's the same situation with all these platforms that i've looked up to as an artist you know, you're starting out and you look at these brands and you look at people you want to work with and you might be like, man, like, you know, ah, oh, like, you know, I want to get on there, but my, like, you know, my music's not good enough or like, you know, I keep submitting, but they're like, they just like, they won't look past it or like they keep looking past it. The thing is, it's like, I don't, and, and you know, I have no doubt that like, you know, you guys would have saw a song of mine and been like, oh, that's dope. But like, I like the fact that we organically just started fucking with each other first because it really, I wouldn't even just say it's about who you know in the industry, it's relationships. Good relationships not only lead to good business, it leads to good products because yeah. there's trust and there's trust, there's support, and there's just a genuine love and respect that you know people and brands have for one another. That translates so well into, and it translates into a much more meaningful conversation that we're probably having right now on the couch versus if you just met me two weeks ago and been like, oh, come on the show. Yeah. Um, and I just like, I really, you know, if any artist is listening to this and take, take something away from this, just remember that like, you know, genuine relationships are the most valuable product that you're going to get out yeah. of, uh, of your music, of your of your creations of any kind is that, you know, it's going to come, you're going to build your brand. You're going to get people to see your shit. You're going to be able to talk with your idols, but you need to do it organically. And you need to just remember that, like, you know, I don't know, my biggest piece of advice is to make friends. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone, everyone wants to be on some type shit. Like, you know, don't trust anybody. And it's true. You do have to keep your circle close and you do have to protect your peace. But again, good relationships lead to good business yep. and at the end of the day music industry fashion industry it is a business that doesn't mean though that it has to be you know all of our relationships have to be transactional yeah hell yeah if any yeah hell yeah morgan gold appreciate you coming on thank real you so much hell yeah. morgan gold y'all real name appreciate you real, real name <laughs> and that's tgf fresh fresh file podcast that's all right let's get it Let's get it. Well, now we appreciate you coming through. I really appreciated being here, guys. I hope you know I.